This episode of Geekorama is sponsored by Paris Press Records and the Mere Winery's Signature Collection. The award-winning wines lovingly crafted from the region-specific Agrigolotu grape. If you're looking for a deep, fruit-filled flavour and a wine that your palate will never forget, then cast your eye to the birthplace of Western civilization, Greece, and embrace and enjoy the Namir Winery Signature Collection. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. We've got a jam-packed show for you this time, folks. Uh, it's filled with comic books, punk rock, and an interview with Ryan Roberts, the author, and Zines to Par Excellence. So let's kick off with the tune, shall we? Uh, this is Hit and Run by Sweat. It's taken from the debut album Gotta Give It Up, which is released by Pirates Press Records. Let's <laughs> go. 
Right, first up on the books front this time, it's 100 Columns for Razor Cake by Ben Snakepit, which is published by Silver Sprocket Books. Uh, you might have heard of Ben. He played in the awesome J Church for a long time, released his own zine Snakepit, and was picked up by Razor Cake to become one of their very first columnists. Um, this book compiles the 100 columns that he actually made, drew for Razor Cake. It, it's all comic strip based. Um, and, you know... Being an old punk rocker, uh, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Razor Cake because I think it's the incredible. It's an incredible magazine that picked up where Flipside left off, and Ben was an integral part of it. Um, it's almost rites of passage type collection of seemingly disparate true life tales and ideas that details Ben's life well, well lived in the punk rock scene and the reality of becoming a middle aged punk that you know eventually catches up with all of us. It's funny, heartfelt, and it's a must read for. Any and every punk rock geek who loves comic books, weird fiction, music, and, you know, if you like Ben and me, beer. Um, like I said, it's published by Silver Sprocket, and it's available anywhere and everywhere you can find books. And I urge you to go and find it, read it, and spend a couple of hours in company of Ben Snakebit, because, you know, it'll be time really, really, really well spent. Okay, let's have another song, shall we? This is uh, Rolling Through the Night. It's by Charger, and it's taken from their debut LP on Paris Press Records, which is called Warhouse, and you can find it anywhere and everywhere where you buy your records now. This, folks, is Charger. <laughs>
Right, next up on the book front, it's Hawkeye Cape Bishop, which is written by Marika Nijkamp, with art by Ian Ballam, Orin Hunias, and Brittany Peer. Uh, okay, first things first, the art is just simply staggering, and each and every panel is just gorgeous. And the story is the epitome of four-colour brilliance. Uh, it finds Cape Bishop battling a group of circus-inspired maniacs who've enthralled a bunch of rich folks and unwittingly captured the power that could put the entire world at risk. Um, but as well as being that kind of four-colour book that you just love to read and love to lose yourself in, it's a story about finding your place in the world, realising that there's always two sides to every story and coming to terms with the past so that, you know, you don't let it affect your future. Um, and it's absolutely worth an afternoon of anybody's time. It really is. You know, I it's the first book I've written I've written by I've read sorry <laughs> read by uh Marika Nijkamp. And I'll guarantee you this it's not gonna be the last. She's really brought Kate Bishop to life. Um the characterization is just second to none. Um so yeah, that's <laughs> Hawkeye Kate Bishop. It's published by Marvel and it's available anywhere and everywhere you can find comic books. Right, and it's music time again. Uh, this is Gold Record Autograph. It's by Susie Moon. It's taken from her debut AP Animal, which is released by Pirates Press Records. So uh, this is Susie Moon. Enjoy, folks.
Right, back to the books again, folks. Uh, this is, let's have time to talk about, rather, Black Widow, Die by the Blade, which is written by Kelly Thompson, with art by Raphael de la Torre, Elena Casagrande, Raphael T. Pimentel, Elizabeth D'Amico, and Jordi Belair. It's published by Marvel, so you're going to be able to get it anywhere, and I urge you, and I cannot, really cannot urge you enough to go and get it now. So the art is exquisite. It's, it's dripping in detail and buries its way into your subconsciousness. And while you may come for the pictures, you'll stay for the story. Look, you know, it's no secret that Kelly Thompson is one of my favourite writers ever. And uh, Die by the Sword is just another example of how deftly she interweaves characterization, emotional weight and plot. Um, it's a high-octane action-filled tale that's filled with twists and turns on every single page and it effortlessly combines brutal violence with Natasha's longing for a life she can't have while being forced to face and overcome a deep-rooted psychological fear. It's, it should literally be compulsory reading for every four-colour punk rock fan. You know, again, I can't urge you enough to go out and find this book. It's published by Marvel. It's uh, Black Widow, Died by the Blade, written by the incredible Kelly Thompson with art by a staggering talent pool. Um, and it's available anywhere and everywhere you can find comic books. Go get it now. On that note, let's have some more music, shall we? Okay, so uh, this is The Slackers with the title track from the Don't Let the Sunlight Fool You album, which is released by Pirates Press Records. So time to get down with your bad selves, have a little dance. This is The Slackers. Don't let the sunlight fool you It's cold outside don't let the sunlight fool you Don't let the sunlight fool you It's cold outside Don't let the sunlight fool you So you made it through Another night No more darkness Playing tricks on your mind Surprise, but will you put to your lips a handkerchief? 
moved outside Don't let the sunlight fool you just like that we're back to books and let's talk about midnight matinee comics island of lost gorillas by tim fuller it's published by source point press <laughs> the idea behind this book is equal parts genius and equal parts madness fuller's taken images from cartoons and saturday morning cliffhangers and like old sort of b-movie films um all of which are now in the public domain and he's rewritten the story so they're full of bawdy laugh out loud ridiculous humor and boy oh boy does this work it's like the old photo journal comics from the from the 70s and uh early 80s um and the book itself is sort of like mystery science theater 3000 meets saturday night live if the show was presented by an old 50s era ho uh, horror host with added luchadors and spaceships <laughs> you know what is not to love it's a really really funny really engaging book that's completely different and out there like pluto um you can get anywhere and everywhere where you find comics and that's the island of lost gorillas and it's uh it's published by source point press and written by tim fuller it's absolutely bloody brilliant Right then, folks, more tunage. Um, this time it's Bishop's Green. The song's called Your Paradox. It's taken from their Black Skies EP, which I believe was released by Pirates Press Records a couple of weeks ago. And again, this is a great record, and you really got to go find it. Okay, so this is Bishop's Green. Uh, sing along.
Right, the final book this time is Treasure of the Black Swan, which is written by Paco Roca and illustrated by Guillermo Coro Van Damme. It's published by Fantagraphics and it's based on the true story of the salvage of the Mercy, a Spanish treasure galleon which was sunk by British privateers at the beginning of the 19th century. And it's really all about the hard-fought legal battle and under-the-table machinations and shenanigans that, uh, between an unscrupulous treasure-seeking firm and the Spanish government. It sort of explores the and highlights the gap that exists between culture and greed and how riches can be the ruination of even the best of men um and it also takes a really really hard look and points the finger at the rank hypocrisy of politicians who use true believers and they're faithful for their own benefit and then chew them up and spit them out at the end of it i cannot express i, I literally can't express how incredible this tinting or tintin inspired book really is um it's it's the book of this episode it's absolutely incredible um i i urge you all to just drop whatever it is you're doing and go and order it now seriously you won't regret it this book is incredible that's the treasure of the black swan by uh paco roca it's published by fantagraphics and you can find it anywhere and everywhere where you can find books it is remarkable Right, uh, our last track for this episode is from The Amazing Drowns, one of my favourite bands in the last five years. This is Live Like You're Dying. It's taken from their Lunatics EP, and that's been released by Paris Press Records, and you can go and grab it anywhere where you can find platters and vinyl right now. So, go get it.
Right, as promised at the beginning of the show, uh, I recently caught up with Ryan Roberts to talk about his debut novel, Nimrod, and um, this is what he had to say. So, take it away, Ryan. Fine. So, Nimrod, your first novel. My first, yes. <laughs> How does it feel to see it actually out there? Oh, it feels great because it started so long ago. Um, so, you know, the goal in the beginning was just to finish it. Right. And then as it got closer, the goal was to have it put out into the world. The goals change all the time. So yeah. to actually see it and hold it, it's it's wild. But then <laughs> but then the goals change too. Now it's like get get it into people's hands, you know? So it's, you know. Well, it's, it's, so. it's incremental goals one step at a time. That's the way you've got to look at it, you know? Exactly. But it's also like you should slow down maybe and enjoy it instead of just like, all right, that's done. Now let's keep going. You know, I'm driving my wife crazy. She's like, just smile. So, but it feels good. It feels very good. Oh, I, I know the feeling. First time you get your book in your hand, that's it. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. game changer. That yeah. moment. Yeah. So awesome. when did you start writing the book? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the title comes from uh, the Green Day album. Yes. Good. Uh, good. Good call. Um, when did I, I started? I think it was 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember, I mean, I was writing a lot of different things before I was kind of, before that I was writing a sitcom, okay. um, with no, no hopes or, um, fantasies of ever getting it made. It was just something I was doing to keep busy. I thought it'd be fun. Um, and then this idea popped into my head on a long drive down to my parents' house. They live a few States away uh-huh. and I kind of just started going with it, you know? So I had to read a lot of books cause I didn't go to college. I didn't. <laughs> take a writing class since high school 20 something years ago so i had to read all the books on how to do it and then it just went from there so if you had to describe the novel to someone in your words <laughs> you're the, you so you're selling it now that you're, you're selling the book how would you describe yeah. it this is the hardest part for me because it's, <laughs> uh, you know it's almost 300 pages and then uh, brevity is not my strong suit but let's let's try it yeah. so it's all right so nimrod it's a coming of age story um some of the themes, it's, it's about learning to live for oneself, um, discovering the power of music as a teenager. That's huge. And there's also the excitement of young love and, and really friendship. Um, basically, it's, a, it's about a sheltered teenager named Rod um, who feels like he was born as a replacement child. Right. Um, and he feels his only role in life is, is to serve as caretaker to his emotionally fragile mother. Um, and then he believes he has it in his head that Sting, the rock star, is is a guardian angel of sorts. Okay. That that he is the only one who can fix Rod's broken family. So it's his life's goal to meet Sting. Um, but he lives in a small New Jersey town. He barely gets out of his house besides to go to high school. So to do that is going to be a little difficult. Um, and this is all also it ties in Green Day as his mother is convinced that Green Day killed his brother. Uh, who died long long okay. before Rod was born, which is why he's the replacement child. So right. Green Day is the black cloud hanging over Rob Rod's head, um, sabotaging his every move since before he was even born. So, you know, in order to meet Sting, he, he wants to, but Sting uh, Green Day is not going to let it happen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. uh, that that that's that's different. So. I, I, <laughs> I'm assuming the punk rock lies at the heart of absolutely everything that you do, and then you know, everything. and who you are, and who you identify with as a writer and as a person. You know, because pins and needles yeah. zine. Um, so when did you discover punk rock? Why what? When did you discover punk rock? When did punk rock become a force in oh. your life? 
Great question. It was from Green Day. Right. Um, 1994, the year that punk broke again. Uh, over here in the States, it was huge. And it was it was Green Day. I was in seventh grade. Um, and it was one of those eureka moments. I heard it and and everything changed. Right. I, was a, I was a kid, only cared about baseball. Um, that was it. I was going to be a major league baseball player in my head, not in the coaches. Um, <laughs> Green Day happened and, and that was it. I just took off from there. So was your, they were your come to Jesus punk rock moment. Yes, they were. And right. then it snowballed, you know, and it was, it was big. I was a kid, so it wasn't under, I didn't discover the underground yet. So it was Green Day. Then it was rancid because they had that salvation video on MTV. Right. Um, and then it kind of spiraled. And then shortly after, I mean, uh, I turned into an idyllic, uh, idyllic teenager where I, I turned my back on Green Day within a year. Um, or almost two years, but I thought, oh God, they're sellouts. Now I'm only listening to underground hardcore. Um, it happens quickly, you know, but I came back. <laughs> it happens to all of us. I mean, I remember like the first time, the first, one well, of the first UK shows Rancid played, and there were maybe 25 of us in the club. The next time they came over, uh-huh. there were um, 500 people there to see them. So, you know, it's that exponential growth. Um, it's just like when you tell people, oh, I saw the Bad Brains in 87 or I saw Bad Religion's first UK show. It's that kind of thing. And people go, oh, and you're still around. Well, yeah, because punk rock defines who you are to a certain extent because you, yes. you, 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 you find it. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I'm assuming that's what it's like for you because you made the transition to Zine Writer. So you had that creative urge to do something more than just listen. Yes, it's it's crazy, and and people that aren't obsessed with music don't understand it. But mm-hmm. punk rock makes up every part of my life. Like it's yeah. like, but it's awesome because it's like the moment I wake up, I'm like, oh, what am I going to listen to today? You know what I mean? What's yeah. going to be the soundtrack to my day? And it's it's exciting. And then and then to still be, I don't know, I got into '94, so what's that? Almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, to still discover new music. You know, I'm not that guy that just listens to. Even though on Instagram I'm called the '90s guy, <laughs> but that's just because like Ryan Roberts was taken pretty quickly, you know. So yeah, I yeah. had to think of a name. But I'm not the guy that only listens to the music of when my youth and it, oh, it was better back then. I like discovering new bands just as much, you know. So it's everything to me. It's you know, I'm I'm a lifer. Well, yeah. So I mean, it's just like you know, new bands are great, but I'm still the guy who stands at the back of the club, you know, because I'm like 50 next month, so. <laughs> You know, I've been listening to this shit since I was 15 years old. So you kind of... Well, you, I stand you know. in the back too. I don't want to get hurt. I'm <laughs> young, but well, I, I still listen. I go and listen. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, if you try to get the pit these days, I think I, you know, the ambulance would be called and I'd be being resuscitated <laughs> on the side. Absolutely. So what, when did, what was, tell us about Pins and Needles. Go into a little bit more detail about the scene itself. You know, is it, is it interview based? Is it more review based? Um, column based? Okay, so Pins and Needles, it was it only lasted three issues. Mm-hmm. It was my second attempt at a zine. I, I did a zine back when I was uh, 15, when I first got into hardcore. Uh, before I started playing in bands, I, I just wanted to be a part of it. So I did a zine, did two issues, and that was it. Right. Then Pins and Needles came around 2008, 2009, I mm-hmm. think, right as I was getting married. Um, I had stopped playing in bands, so that dream had kind of, I guess, died. Um and I, was, I still wanted to be creative. I just, I, I just didn't have anything to do. So I started the zine, um, and it really, it wasn't interview based. It was really a glorified, glorified blog, basically. Right. Okay. It was a lot of just my thoughts, 
Um, and, you know, I always try to put a funny spin on the things, some fiction in there, but not much. But yeah, mostly it was just me like rambling about things, um, music, um, experiences, you know, bad experiences at restaurants, things like that. Not, not like a review, but like funny things that awkward things I said to the waiter. Um, so it was very personal zine and with a comedy base to it. Um, and music is at the backbone of everything. So yeah, I did that for about three years. Um, and then it ran its course and then it turned into the webzine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did blogs. I resisted it cause I'm an old guy. I just hate the word blog, <laughs> but I started to do that because you know, when I did pins and needles, I had worked as a real estate agent. Right. Um, my buddy from a band, uh, he was the drummer. He became Mr. Realtor around here. He's, he's our rich friend. Now I started selling real estate. I sucked at it. I'm not a salesman. So I would stay late at the office and used all their office supplies and run off my zines. And I had like a, a workshop in there. No one knew about it. I ran off three issues there. Um, and then when I stopped being a realtor, the zine stopped and I, I switched to blogs and, and that just faded out. It just wasn't the same. That's it. I mean, I, I don't think anybody hasn't done the cut and paste, you know, photocopy thing where I, cause I would sneak into my wife's office, uh, Back in like nineteen, oh, really? yeah, I'm photocopy the, the first issues of Mass Movement, but photo, all photocopied um, from her office supplies. You now she let me in. Oh. I'd sneak in, do it for an hour, and then we go home and put them all together. And yeah, so it's I know exactly where you're coming from because we did exactly the same well, thing. It's like a writer, it's a punk rock writer passage. It is, yes, absolutely. So I, I'm guessing that the creative urge appeared again, and you wanted to put something back onto paper. Hence Nimrod. Yes. Um, that's exactly what happened. And I never, like I said before, I didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always enjoyed writing, but I never really had confidence in it. And I kind of put it aside because I thought, well, I'm going to be in a band, you know, it's not like, and it was punk bands. I didn't want to be a rock star, but I wanted to go out and do the band thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, that didn't happen. And then now I needed something else to do. So it, it, this started, um, and I didn't get the confidence to write an actual novel until a couple of years ago. I, I just, I just, I was a big reader and I was reading this guy called Matthew quick. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was laying on my couch and I, I finished one of his books and I went, you know what? I have to try that. Right. So when you finished writing it, did you, did it take you long shopping around? Did you know who you wanted to approach to actually release the book to publish the book? It took me so long. Um, because I'm not in the writing world, I didn't know how this stuff worked, you yeah. know? So I thought the hard part would be writing the novel, which it was. It took me a good two to two and a half years. But then another year of learning about how to shop it around, who to shop it to, and just getting my face punched in by the industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's not easy to break in. Oh, no, no, no. Been, been, been there, know that pain, yeah. You know, and especially I think my timing was horrible because I finished it in during the pandemic, uh, the height of the pandemic. Yeah. So. Everyone was writing a book then because everyone had time, you know. Um, so there was a lot of submissions, and it is just so hard to get in. So I got rejected by every agent, every publisher, um, everything, and it it really built me up a thick skin, you know. Right. Um, until finally, I found David um, from Earth Island Books, and that was a lifesaver because it was just like you know I didn't want to self publish and to have someone believe in my book. It was amazing so and how, he comes from the punk world so i thought it was beautiful so how did you how did you meet david because I mean, we've all we've all got our gamut stories and you know he's, he's uh <laughs> yes well kind. i met david well i've never met him in person because i'm yeah. over here he's over there um but originally 
I had a band in the early 2000s, the early aughts, called Merciana. Mm-hmm. And Engineer Records had, for a couple years, a U.S. arm um, mm-hmm. that was run by my, my friend Craig. And he put out Merciana's uh, EP, which is a CD, you know, no vinyl in those mm-hmm. days. Um, so he put that out. So I, I knew David through email and stuff like that and being on this form of his label. Um, but I didn't keep in touch with them, you know, Marciana fizzled out soon after that. Um, but I, you know, I'm still friends with Craig who does all my graphic design. He did the artwork for Nimrod and he said, David has a publishing company from engineer. Why don't you contact him? Um, thank God he did. Cause I did. And now it's out on Earth Island. <laughs> so it took me 20 years to meet him. And I think, I, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I met him. Um, cause I used, cause he, I used to review all the, all the engineer records product, and okay. um, when he when he went to publish Compression, my novel, um, he came down, and that was the first time I literally met him face to face. And you know, it was just beer and curry and hanging out and just <laughs> discussing the future. So I mean, you know, he is very easy to get along with, but he's also very picky with what he writes. That's why I'm certain that Nimrod's going to find his audience because he doesn't he doesn't put publish anything and everything. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. He's very selective with what he does. So um, when he said, oh, you should talk to Ryan, I was like, well, I'm going to talk to Ryan, yeah. you know." <laughs> so the, the book arrived literally two days ago, so I haven't had a chance between the day job you know, and, and this to actually read the novel, but I'm going to be reading it. Um, it's got a week off awesome. soon, so I'm just going to sit down and read it because it looks fascinating. And the way you made the sound is fascinating as well. So how did, okay. you, how did you find the process of writing? Was it what you thought it would be? Um, it was, um, and not to sound cliche, it was and more, you know, Um, it was honestly, it was the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Um, besides obviously the family, you know, getting married, having, you know, creatively and just for myself, it was the best thing I ever did. Um, it really gave me a little sense of purpose, you know, to just, cause I got the day job. So after that. I would come home, be dad, and then 8 o'clock at night, my wife was cool. She said, just go upstairs and, and write, and I'll handle the sun and all that stuff. So every night going up there and doing it, you know, it, it just felt great. And th- there's no feeling like it, you know, to than coming downstairs after writing and you think you got something good, even a page or two, and it's just it's just the, the best high, you know. Um, the question only a writer is going to understand and this is how many tangents did you find yourself disappearing down? Uh, you know, when the characters, what you thought the characters were going to do one thing, but when you put it down on, on the paper, the characters do something completely different. How many tangents did you disappear down while you're writing the book? Uh, I'd say four drafts of those. I mean, <laughs> yeah. My entire life is a tangent. I'm going to yeah. be a horrible interview because I just go off on tangents. Um, yeah, it went so many different ways. And I, I did so many rewrites. The story where it started and what it actually is, is nothing close to where it started. You know, they, right. they don't even meet. It's wild. And the ending, I, I bet you the ending of the book now is completely different to the ending you originally envisioned. Completely different. Yeah. Even the beginning is, <laughs> I mean, even the characters' names are, it is it's wildly different. The only thing that stuck really is Green Day was in it from the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't know they were responsible for killing his brother in the beginning, but I knew they were in it. And then Sting appeared in it pretty quickly after. Right. Um, so those are like the only two 
and then and then everything else kept changing. But trying to explain that to someone who's not a writer, because everybody thinks, oh, you've got this idea for this book, and it's going to go from A to B to C to D to E. It never works like that. It goes from A to Z, back to P, then over to S, and over to back to F, and then to, to I, because yes. it never, ever goes the way you think it's going to go until you start writing it. And yes. then it just disappears. And, and, yeah. and isn't that cool? You'll probably know this as a writer, because yeah. I would hear interviews with people, with writers and, and TV writers, too, they said they'd be in the writing room and they would crack the story and it would feel so great. And I would think, well, why would you crack your own story? Like, how do you not know where it's going? Right. But that became so true for me where I wouldn't know how to figure it out. And then it, it's it's almost like math, although I'm not good at math, but <laughs> you would figure it out how right. to bring it together and it feels great. Did you have that experience? Yeah, well, it's, it's literally, it's like, but it is literary math. So you sit down and then everything suddenly makes sense and then it doesn't make sense. But then it's up to you to formulize the theorem, the literary theorem that makes it make sense when you start. So you get so you can get to the finish kind of thing. If I'm very excited. much so. I love yeah. that literary math. I'm going to use that because that's exactly because <laughs> I'm not a math guy, but that's, no. it really is. It's like a big puzzle, and it's it's awesome. So I, you... I, did, I also did not anticipate being so many drafts, right. um, like wildly different. I thought there'd be a first draft and then revisions and punctuation, but you know, my I think I ended up with five drafts, and draft number five or the final product is wildly different from draft number one. It, it always is. So you mentioned before that you played in bands. Have you ever thought about going back to it and you know playing punk rock or hardcore again? Because oh, it's, it's sure. wildly I different mean, playing as a, as a as a you know middle aged adult than it is as a teenager and a, you know a twenty something. Yes. Now every about six months, I, I get the itch again. <laughs> I start playing. Um, I join a band, or you know, I haven't joined many in the last couple of years. Just one. Um, but yeah, and even as recently as two months ago, we we had a CD that David just put out, um, a three-song EP under a band called Bed of Snakes, um, which we had recorded back in 2008, just a couple of friends, and it was just three songs, and then life got in the way. Um, and every couple of years, I would call the guys, like, uh, you know, like the cliche, let's get the band back together. <laughs> we had never played a show, and it was some there were some good songs. And finally, I showed David... Um, and he wanted to put it out. So we were planning on doing a, a show for the book release to tie it in with Nimrod. Right. Um, but now we're all older and, and getting guys together. That's that's what I, I miss and I don't miss about bands is trying to get everyone's motivations on the same page. Right. Um, where as far as writing, it's just you and it's all up to you until you try to put it into the world. But the actual writing is just you. So now that Nimrod's out there, What's the next book going to be? The next book is, it's the first draft is finished. I'm revising the second draft now. It's called Thing of the Past. Right. Um, it's wildly different from Nimrod. Nimrod would be classified as young adult, um, although I don't like to do that. But if it were in a Barnes & Noble, that's the section it right. would be in because the, the characters are teenagers. Um, in Thing of the Past, the, the main character is a female on the verge of turning 40, and she's in the midst of a midlife crisis. Um, and all of this, again, because I can't keep music out of my books, it all has the backdrop of the band Death Cab for Cutie in it. But that's it, because um, music gets in your blood, and that's it. You, you can't separate music from literature, because it's, it's all art. It's all creativity. It's all part of the big whole, the same whole. So. Exactly. And, and, and you know, I'm, I didn't want to be... <laughs> 
I'm so dumb. I didn't want to be pigeonholed. I want to be, I want anyone to recognize me for anything, but right. you know, in my own head, I thought, geez, I don't want to be the guy who only writes about bands and stuff. So this, this book thing of the past was going to be my non music book. But right away, as I started writing it, just this, this storyline for death cab for cutie just kept, it just found its way in there. And it's, it couldn't be a book without it. So it's not a thing to worry about. You know, if pigeonholing is, is a lazy journalistic way of trying to say somebody sounds like this or somebody writes like that. It's about writing what comes from the heart, and that's what you're doing. You know, and because you because you bleed music and you bleed prose, that's it's just the two coming together. I agree, and 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 like you said before, punk rock is just in me. It's every part of me. I <laughs> I can't get through a conversation without talking about it. You know, yeah. and if I do, it's a boring conversation. So. You know, music is going to be in the books. And, and I've the good thing is I've heard some good feedback about Nimrod from people who couldn't care less about Green Day. Um, they certainly don't like Sting. So I, I they could just be being nice to me. But I think it holds up without – you don't have to be a Green Day fan to like it. Right. But it's in there. So I, I hope that's the same for the next one with Def Cab for Cutie and all that, you know. Okay. So if there's anything you'd like to add, Ryan, it's time to speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> Um, no, there's nothing really I'd like to add. I mean, you know, Nimrod is out there. Yeah. You can find it at Earth Island Books. And then I have a website called The 90s Guy. It's it's there. So if you're in the U.S., that's where it is. But but that's it. I, I just, I love talking about music and books. So this was awesome. <laughs> Ryan, it was an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And we'll, and we'll do it again the next time, when your next book's out as well. Wonderful. Thank you okay. so much. Okay. Take it easy, brother. Be good. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, well, uh, that's it for this time, folks. Um, hope you enjoy it, and I'll catch you on the next episode. So, uh, ta-ta!